1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. I tell you, he just did a double circle there and made the shot. But they call it traveling, which uh, you don't see very often. Payne, boy. Miller guarded by Gigi, two of the most highly touted freshmen of the country this year. Miller with three. Miller to the rim. Miller with the left hand. This is a basketball team that's good enough to win a national championship with a player that is going to be probably the first college player selected in the NBA draft. Eight minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Good head fake. Out to Henderson, and he nails a three. Henderson, and all of a sudden it feels like he's starting to come on here in this fourth quarter. We worked a one-plus in the game last night through 17 pitches. Started to warm up in the Milwaukee bullpen. He's the only lefty back there. And Alec Thomas sends it into right center. Here comes Rivera. Alec Thomas gives the Diamondbacks the lead. It's 2-1. to one. Nice. Thomas not going quietly. McCarthy's there. And the Diamondbacks get the win. They win two of three here in Milwaukee. And after 75 games this season, the Diamondbacks have 45 wins. Dame challenged by Murray. Above the break. Survey sees two, takes the three. Got it! Damian Lillard knocks down the triple with eight and eight, ten seconds remaining. Oh, one pitch to Freddie. He swings and hits the ball deep to center field. It is headed back to the wall. It is gone! A home run! Freddie Freeman, his 14th of the season. And the Dodgers jump on top, 1-0. Freeman, a solo shot off Shohei Otani. Dodger fans on their feet. All the Angel fans heading for the exit. Ready to go. The stretch, the kick, the pitch. Swung on and hit in the air to right field. Back pocket for Mookie Betts. He'll make the catch. And for the second night in a row, the Dodgers have shut out the Angels. Two to nothing. They have won eight straight games in the freeway series. 15 of the last 18 against the Angels. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, June 22nd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2100.7, the Suns, do you agree with the apparent approach of not adding depth? The Hornets, who should they select with the second pick? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks. As your Alec Thomas uh, thought changes, he figured it out. Meanwhile, the Blazers, should they trade Damian Lillard? The Angels, will they ever beat the Dodgers? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, we'll have an NBA draft preview. Uh, we'll uh, you know, get the uh, latest uh, thoughts 
from uh, 24-7 Sports. And uh, that will, those will come from, I just lost his name, unfortunately, here. Isaac Trotter, my bad. Thank you very much, Kayla. I don't know why I somehow deleted that, which was pretty stupid. Uh, but not the first stupid thing I've done, and probably not the last stupid thing I'll do today. Uh, that would be nice, but probably kind of a, a pipe dream. Uh, so there we will have Isaac Trotter on in the 915 segment with a draft preview. 930 interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That includes some Diamondbacks and Brewers uh, Wednesday analysis. Hopefully they're playing this game today in Washington. Uh, the makeup game from the from the uh, you know, from what two weeks ago with the when they had the uh, you know basically they got uh, you know basically uh, you know, polluted polluted out air pollution problems. Uh, but uh, there's horrible weather in Washington. It's a miracle they made it through that game yesterday, and it's supposed to be not good today. So we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup. That'll be topped by. From the MLB scoreboard, then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it is the extra point hosted by KO. That will include more phone call time. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, do you agree with the Suns? Apparent complete neglect of adding any depth. And Kayla has the early returns. Early returns are in a 50-50 split. Uh, the Suns right now have just one pick tonight, 52nd, even though it has been widely reported that they're going to be trading this pick as part of compensation to acquire Bradley Beal. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question who should Charlotte select with the second pick of tonight's NBA draft? And appears to be down to Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. Uh, Kayla, what do we have there? Scoot Henderson, 57.1% of the vote. Brandon Miller, 42.9%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Multiple reports earlier this week indicate that Miller will be uh, – the selection of outgoing Charlotte owner Michael Jordan, who somehow is still involved in this process, and general manager Mitch Kupchak, who might be leaving the organization once the sale is finalized. Yet those are the two guys making the decisions for Charlotte still, which is interesting. Meanwhile, the buying market is uh, buying that rumor. Miller over the last five days has gone from minus 110 to be the second pick to minus 400 that's according to fox sports research and they do a thing where they you know basically a consensus thing of all casinos worldwide most casinos or many casinos worldwide that's quite a move in less than a week meanwhile back on the local front the diamondbacks 2023 road success continued the diamondbacks won another road series at milwaukee with uh, that included more good offense yesterday from the recently recalled Alec Thomas, is it too early to declare? Uh, declare, excuse me, that Thomas can be counted on to be at least, uh, let's see, a decent offensive player, which he certainly was not towards the end of last season or the start of this season before he was sent back to AAA. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Blazers have. Uh, 
shut down Damian Lillard trade talks, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Should Portland trade Damian Lillard before the start of the uh, the uh, 2023 season? Meanwhile, the Angels have not scored a run the last two nights, including nine innings last night against the Dodgers' previous awful bullpen, which last night pitched the entire game. It was a complete bullpen game, as it turns out, for the Dodgers last night. Should the Angels be taken seriously when it matters? If they couldn't beat the Dodgers in these two games, when are they ever going to beat them? When are they ever going to win something that matters? They are ever going to get into a situation where something matters, like in the postseason, God forbid. So I'm a little suspect. Uh, to, you know, to I, I, They're highly suspect to me, always have been um, in uh, the last two nights. No runs against the Dodgers, including I understood there's no runs against Kershaw in seven innings, but no runs against their bullpen two nights in a row, and last night it was all bullpen. All right, also in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, it's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls under the general discussion category, so whether it's on the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by a preview of tonight's NBA draft. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports scheduled to join us. I think we have a pretty good idea who's going number one and where, but after that, it seems to be uh, some question, even though, as I mentioned, the Brandon Miller thing uh, is, I don't know if solidified is probably too strong a word, but maybe it's uh, simplified a little more than it was a week ago. So we'll get to all that and much more. Azua's Tabellas of the U of A, will he even be drafted? We might even get to that in the next segment, too. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Plus some local roundup, top by Diamondbacks and Brewers analysis from Wednesday. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KTUS AM 1060 and the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and HD 2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. All right. The NBA draft is tonight. There appears to be zero drama with the first pick, uh, but there's some intrigue after that. Out to the uh, KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports. And Isaac, good to have you back on the show. Uh, the Spurs are going to select Victor with the first pick. You know, we've all seen, by at this point, we've seen, all seen highlight videos, so we know what he does well. 
Nobody plays well all the time. You've seen much more of him than uh, you know, most people uh, or anybody for that matter. So when he's not playing at an elite level, what are some of the you know the, the constants as to why? You know, is, you know I guess I'm ask, asking in a kind of a convoluted way here. Are there some weaknesses to his game that might transfer to the next uh, next level with the NBA? Yeah, I think that when you look at Wemby, the one maybe potential concern is just how thin he is. He's not super strong. Um, at, you know, I think he's a strong guy, obviously, but he's not just like super chiseled, you know, going to wow you in the weight room type of strong. And so I wonder if we potentially see him get a little bit bullied uh, by, you know, those like those imposing strong big men like a Joel Embiid. I could see Joel Embiid you know, putting his shoulder into Wemby a little bit and Wemby like getting pushed back a little bit. So I think that that might be the one concern, but I don't know. I, I still just look at his body and look at his game. I think he's going to be able to work through some of those things just because how long and athletic he is. I mean, seven foot five, his hands are just enormous. His arms are enormous. So while he could take some of those body blows and you might get him once or twice, I think he'll adjust and he'll get you too, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, you mentioned the hands thing. I think we all saw that when he did the first pitch thing the other night before the Yankees game. Uh, he's already said that he's going to play in the Las Vegas Summer League. What do you want to see from him, and how should we evaluate him in the Summer League? Yeah, I just want to see what his game looks like um, playing in a spacious, open floor. I just want to see what his playmaking is. You know, I think we've seen some times where his his pull-up jumper is, is really nice, but his threes that he can get to, I, I'm, I'm just interested to see what his shot selection looks like and maybe kind of what the plan is in place. Are they going to view him as, like, you know, a guy they can post up in the mid-post area and let him get his own offense on? Or is he going to be a guy that when he gets the defensive rebound and he's pushing it in transition, is he initiating offense? Is he their offensive hub? Like, those are just, like, a lot of the questions that I have more on the offensive end because I know defensively he's going to be phenomenal. Like, I, I just think that he's going to be – an elite rim protector right away. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect him to play a ton in summer league. We'll definitely see him. I wouldn't expect him to play a ton, but I know defensively that he is going to come out and put a, on a show just with the way he can move his feet, protect the rim, also then you know recover and get out to contest threes. It's just he's just a special, special defensive prospect, and I think that'll be very, very evident from the moment he steps foot in summer league, and then obviously into the regular season as well. Charlotte drafting second. Roughly one week ago, it was a pick between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, but reports this week have them, you know, that after Miller had a great workout, Miller is uh, certainly a strong now wagering favor to be the second pick. Who should be the second pick selection, uh, second selection, excuse me, Miller or Henderson? Yeah, I've been a Scoot Henderson guy for a while. I just think the explosiveness, I think he's the second best player in this draft. Uh, Sean Serrania just reported this morning that Charlotte is now shifting to Scoot Henderson, and he seems to be the guy that could potentially be the pick at number two. Who knows at this point, right? Like, it's it just shifted back and forth. I think that they're doing their due diligence. But I thought Mitch Kupchak, the uh, general manager for Charlotte, made a really interesting point yesterday when he was talking about how he wants to find the guy who has, is the most dangerous when the ball is in his hands. And I think that is where Scoot, that just seems like it's tailored for Scoot. You know, the Derrick Rose, John Morant-esque, you know, comps, I don't think are are crazy. Just his ability to get into the lane and finish and 
with bad intentions. He attacks the rim like wanting to tear the rim off, and, that, and that's not something you could see from everybody. He might be six two, but he's got six foot eight wingspan, super long, super bouncy. The pull up jumper is there, and you know the character thing is the other thing that I just keep going back to. Everybody who's been around this kid loves him. Thinks that he is a grinder, a worker. He just all he wants to do is just lock himself in a gym and get better and become the best player that he potentially could be. And I think that that's like the last missing piece there with, with the Charlotte conversation. It's like, hey, we add a guy like this. We know, hey, maybe he's not, you know, a knockdown three point shooter yet, but we know he's gonna make himself into the best version of that he could be. He's already an excellent player. I think he'd be the number one pick. Last year, I think might be the number one pick. Next year, the year after, like if he wasn't with Wemby, he'd be the number one pick in a lot of drafts. And I think Charlotte's gonna end up taking him. Yeah, we know about the Miller character stuff. We're gonna, I'm sure, for people that maybe don't know, you're gonna hear a play about that tonight or whatever cast you're watching. Miller's game, however, um, how does that translate to the NBA for you? He's a phenomenal. You know, I think just because I'm a suit guy doesn't mean I I dislike Brandon Miller. I think that he is a really, really tactful wing who can create his own offense. You know, at Alabama last year, they actually had him play point guard a lot of possessions. So he's comfortable making decisions, making reads. He has to improve, like all young players do. But I just think there's a lot to his game to like. You know, the, the shooting is easy to see. I think the defensive side of the ball, you can see him being an impactful piece there. And, and, and then initiating offense. Like, I think of the Paul George-esque comparison for him. That, that adds up to me. I think there, it wouldn't be, you know, that surprising if Brandon Miller turns into a Paul George type of player. And, and that's a really piece. I think if you're Portland and say, you know, Brandon Miller drops you at three, you feel really good about a long term, about a wing duo of Shady Sharp and Brandon Miller together. Sharp just an explosive vertical athlete who put his chin on the rim without even trying. And then Miller shot making, that's, that's really, really fun long term duo to build around. Okay, one thing about Charlotte, one more thing about Charlotte. Obviously, you know, Michael Jordan's selling the franchise, but he's still involved in the selection process. Obviously, Mitch Kupchak is his guy. He's still there. Does, does that seem awkward to you? Yeah, a little bit, right? Uh, that's, it's just a very, it's a very weird dynamic. Like, how much should Michael Jordan's voice matter in this? You know, MJ is a legend, but I do think that his career hasn't been helped by his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets. I think that's fair to say, just with everything that's gone on. I, I wouldn't say that Charlotte has crushed it under Michael Jordan's leadership. And so you kind of, you know, forecasted, like, how much should his voice matter? I think it will matter. Uh, but I, I, I would be honest, I would be lying if I said it's not weird, right? Like, it's just, it's odd to see someone leaving still, you know, from the outsider's perspective, have such a big voice and, you know, a decision that could be, you know, franchise-altering. Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports, currently in the sports zone. You mentioned Portland. They've got the number three pick. To, you know, there's the Damian Lillard drama, depending on what day it is. <laughs> That's been kind of going on for seemingly like a half decade. Uh, you know, do they just do – they just take whoever Charlotte doesn't take, or is it more to it than that? Yeah, I think they would really like to. I think that that would have been something that they would have loved, but I agree. I think that the value of the number three pick – is uh, greater than anything they could have gotten on the open market, you know, trading for that thing. I don't think that there was a franchise-level player that would elevate Portland into essentially passing up Denver as a Western Conference favorite um, that they could have gotten with the third pick package with Anthony Simons or something to help game. So if they, if they add Brandon Miller, 
you know, I think Dame Lillard is super smart locked in. He understands the value of that pick. But I, I just get the perception that if Damian Lillard really went out of Portland, it would be now. Like, he wanted them to use that pick to potentially get him a piece that could help. You know, the market just didn't make sense. It didn't add up. And I think it would just make a lot of sense for Portland to go in a different direction and Dame to go in a different direction as well. Knowing, hey, I tried my hardest to, to get this franchise, you know, over the hump. I am loyal to them to a T. But, you know, there, what, what I want now and what the franchise wants and what is best for the franchise would probably be best for me to leave right now. And I don't think it would impact his legacy as a trailblazer legend at all if he decided, you know what, now is the time to move. Because, you know, it just feels like, you know, the Portland has so many young pieces that are building together, but the timeline just doesn't add up for what Dame Lillard wants. He wants to compete for a Western Conference Finals, you know, make it to the NBA Finals like right now. And this roster, if you add Brandon Miller to the mix, just is really young and feels a couple years away from that, you know, from that lofty goal. Okay, next up, the Thompson Twins. I've seen highlight packages, almost all of them, or them making plays in the paint or at the rim. Uh, Are there perceived offensive strengths? Uh, Does that translate to the NBA? Yeah, I think the big question of both of them, and for for one twin and for others, it's different, but like the the – players that they played against last year, right? They did play against high-level competition a ton. So that was really choppy film. And then the jump shot is pretty ugly for both. So I think they're still kind of learning and trying to get there. But Osar and Amin, like, they're phenomenal athletes. And they arguably 99th percentile athletes. They have a chance to be just elite, elite, uh, high-caliber impact pieces on both ends of the floor. But I think it might come a little bit different. It might just look a little different than what we're used to and if the jumper comes along you know we're talking about guys that they are supposed to be you know top five top six six and I I have no doubt in my mind that they will end up being you know really impactful pieces like Osar is a phenomenal defender like he is elite elite defensively I I think that he could be you know challenged for all defensive team in his future Amon is a terrific playmaker and passer and just at his size like it, there's a lot to like there of a jumbo-sized playmaker like them. So, And their work ethic is great. They, their interviews have been really good. They, people really like them. And, so, and they didn't come out of nowhere either. That's something I should mention as well. Like The pedigree before they went to OTE was there. And you know the guys I worked with that scouted them early in their high school career raved about them. So I just see a lot of positives with them. And you know the work ethic, I trust that the jumpers can get fixed. I think they just do a lot of really good things right now. And if their jumpers improve, you know, to just be mediocre to average, I feel like you got really, really impactful pieces for, for long-term success. So yeah, I expect them both to go top 10 tonight. I'd be stunned if one of them dropped out of that. Okay. So we're in the period uh, we've been in the period, but certainly in the least 24 hours or less than that now before the draft, some players are perceived to be rising on draft boards. Who are those players, and do you agree with uh, you know, that, that thought process? Yeah, the biggest riser right now has been Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan, and I love it. You know, We're talking about a guy who is a sophomore technically, but he's younger than a lot of the freshmen in this class. and He was terrific down the stretch from Michigan, really, really good defender, terrific on-ball creator. You know, He was getting reps at point guard. He reps at shooting guard. Like He turned into an alpha. Uh, he was guarding the best players on opposing teams. He just can score at all three levels. He, like, you think a little bit of like Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel quickly with the with the comps for, for a guy like that. And he's quickly risen into a potential top 10 pick. 
I think that he's going to be a guy that people will really, really love. And then, you know, on the West Coast, people are loved watching Jaime Jaquez, right, one of my favorite players in all college basketball. He's been a big-time riser, too, throughout this process. You know, I think a lot of people thought of him as maybe a, a early second, late first-round pick maybe, you know, a month ago. And now it's like, could Miami be in play for him at 18? Could Golden State be in play for him at 19? Because that dude is a killer. And, you know, I've talked to certain people, like, they've been trying to – there are other agents asking around to see who's going to be in these open gyms and making sure that their players – are not in the gym at the same time as Jaime Hawkins because he will embarrass you and he will take your soul. And so it's kind of fun to hear some of those <laughs> stories about guys just trying to avoid being in a practice one-on-one to open gym setting with Jaime Hawkins because they don't want their stock to look up a little bit worse because Hawkins is just just a beast. So I, I expect Buffkin and Hawkins to be, you know, guys that have quickly risen up draft boards, and you can see why. There's just a lot to like about their games. And great people, uh, great characters, great families. Uh, really good college players, and we've seen a lot of times those really good college players, they find a way to be impactful role players at the next level. And Dylan Brooks was an absolute stud at Oregon and found a way to be an impactful role player for Memphis and, and whichever team gets in next. So, like, there's a lot of those examples of guys who just find a way to be winners, and both of those guys can, can impact winning at a high level. Yeah, we've obviously seen tons of Hawkes, and I could him and Miami just seemed like a perfect fit. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens. Okay, so the other side of this, who are some players that are sliding down, the, you know, original projected spots in mock drafts, etc. And do you agree with that? Uh, you know, some of those guys that might be declining. Yeah, Cam Whitmore is one that has been sliding a little bit, and just kind of the interviews have been a little bit iffy. He's a pretty quiet kid. He's He's not a super bubbly personality, and so I don't know if that's come off the greatest in interviews. I totally disagree with it. And maybe it's just smokescreen. Maybe maybe these teams are trying to say all of these situations, like, hey, Kim Whitmore's dropping, hey, all of these different things, because they want him so badly. Like, I, you know, Sam Bassini, who does a great job scouting for the athletic, he does his big board. He has Kim Whitmore as the number three player at the strap behind Victor and Scoot Henderson. He has him higher than Brandon Miller, higher than the Thompson Twins. And, and I, I'm tend to agree with him. I, I love Cam Whitmore. And so like the, the idea that he's going to drop because of, you know, maybe he's not the most bubbly and en- energetic person in, in interviews doesn't make any sense to me because flip on the tape. It's just, it's fantastic stuff. Sure. He can't, he hasn't shown a lot of as a passer, but you know, just how huge he is, how strong he is, how he just bullies people to the rim, how he just gets to the rim whenever he wants and obviously shot it from three really, really well after his thumb injury uh, was healed at, at Villanova. So there's just a lot to like about his game. I, I am not buying this idea that he's dropping. I see the reports. I, I get it. But it's just, I think on draft night tonight, we're going to have guys in that front office, you know, they're about ready to make the pick, and they're going, are we really going to pass up on a kid like this? I, I just have a hard time thinking they'll actually do it. They might talk about it. I don't know if they'll actually do it, pull the trigger and, and pass on a, a potential, you know, multi-time all-star who could be a defensive player of the year and uh, you know, a, a 20 points a game score wing that everybody seems to crave. Another thing we're going to hear a lot of tonight, I'm sure, is best available player versus position need. What's your philosophy when it comes to that question? Yeah, I think uh, in the lottery, I don't really care about fit. I more care about just pure talent. But towards the end, I'm all for finding the right fit. And, uh, you know, I think late first round picks are kind of been like a shot in the dark, like it's a little bit of like a, a dark throw at this point. It's, you have to be, you know, you're trying to take, like, educated gambles. And if you can take a correct educated gamble, 
and you have the intel that you believe that this kid is a hard worker, um, you think that he can fit into your system well, he does a lot of things that complement your star really well, that makes a lot of sense. Like Christian Brown, you know, I think there are guys that may be more talented than Christian Brown on the board last year, but Denver thought he could be a perfect piece for what they wanted. And they had championship expectations. They have their top three guys in place. And so it's going to be just fine for Christian Brown to go there, and maybe they don't want to take a big risk on somebody later. So, yeah, that's kind of like the balancing act late. And a couple of guys that I look at are like Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana. Like, what's your fit? What do you need? Like, he's not a perfect fit for every roster. He needs to be in a specific orientation in order to get the best out of him. But, like, Dariq Whitehead is a big-time swing candidate. Like, he's had multiple foot injuries. Is, is he healthy long-term? Is this scary to, to draft a former five-star guy who's had not one but two surgeries on the same foot? Like, that, that is scary. But there is a big swing there. So, I think it, it just kind of comes down to the different philosophies of these front offices. I, I, I would ignore fit early, but I would really hone in on it late in the first round when it starts to get a little bit hit or miss with, with certain picks. Okay, last up, Azulas Tabellus certainly had no problem scoring at the University of Arizona, but he was so bad on defense that more than occasionally at the end of close games, he wasn't on the floor because of his defense. Will Tabellus be drafted tonight? I don't expect him to be drafted. Um, and that not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes being an undrafted free agent, you have a little bit more of the say in where you want to go and it maybe finding mm-hmm. the opportunity where you can go best. So maybe that ends up being a good thing. But like you said, I think there's a lot of questions about him in pick and roll coverage. There's a lot of questions about his perimeter skills. How much do they translate? Uh, there's questions of if he's big enough and sturdy enough to guard five one-on-one without needing help. Yeah, it's a double team, you know what I mean? Like, can he hold up alone on the yeah. blog and and beat? Not many people can, right? <laughs> that's that's not <laughs> what a lot of people think. Not a lot of people can, but uh, it, that is a question with him. And I, I think that his strengths are he runs the floor really hard. He can finish with both hands in the lane. I think that he can he sets really good screens. I think that's an impactful piece. But I think his role at the next level is playing defense and rebounding and the playing defense part is a, a big factor in it. So I, could he get drafted potentially if somebody sees something in there? But I don't know. I, I feel like being undrafted isn't the worst thing for him if he could find a situation where maybe a pass to being a backup five who plays 15 minutes a game is more advantageous than some of the teams that have picks in the mid-50s. Isaac, this has been great. We've had you on twice. I uh, really appreciate the knowledge. We might uh, drag you back out for uh, some summer league discussion at some point too. So thanks. Anytime, man. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. Excellent stuff there from Isaac. We had him on the day after the uh, you know the ping-pong ball thing was determined and so forth. And, you know, tried not to double up too much on uh, some of the same stuff. And I don't think we really did. So that's good. So we'll see what happens tonight. By the way, tomorrow uh, during the extra point, uh, we'll be joined uh, in the uh, in the sports zone by Sean Devaney of heavy uh, heavy.com and we'll go through the some of the draft and uh, some of the uh, NBA trade rumors of which there are plenty of out there and obviously everything that's going on with Boston and so forth good and or bad and uh, appears like appears like there's a couple of those things going on all right next segment it's gonna be a short one but we got phone call time 602. 260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundups, some Diamondbacks from yesterday. 
602-260-1060. And, of course, we'll wrap it up in the sports zone with the national roundup in the final segment of this hour in this uh, you know, one-hour extravaganza known as the sports zone. Then, of course, uh, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. That will include more phone call time. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HC2 100.7. Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060, KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. But if you want to get in, you got to hustle up. So get in right now, 602-260-1060. All right, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks continue to excel on the road. Arizona's now won 22 of 34 road games this season. They're 8-0-1 in their last nine road series after yesterday's 5-1 victory at Milwaukee. Zach Gallen joined his teammate Merrill Kelly with nine wins. They're the only teammates in baseball with at least nine wins. And it's imperative that the Diamondbacks are victorious when Gallon and Kelly start because of what is, uh, I think it's safe to say, uh, it's surprising when any other starting pitcher delivers at least a quality start. And a quality start is just kind of bogus in itself. It's three earned runs or fewer in six or more innings. If you just compute that, that's like a 450 yard run average. So the quality start stat is one of the most screwed up things I've ever heard, but whatever. Uh, Gallon on Wednesday delivered the, his second consecutive start, allowing one run in seven innings. Now he gave up three hits, one walk, a very efficient uh, 90, 91 pitches. He threw 49 strikes yesterday. Scott McGuff consider uh, continued, I should say, his recent dominance, two shutout innings uh, to record his fourth save. He gave up uh, no runs. Uh, I mentioned those no base runners and had four strikeouts. Statistically speaking, the Diamondbacks did leave 13 men on base, something that has been an issue. I think it would, some from time to time, and would have been an issue yesterday if there, you know, if you know, wasn't didn't have the uh, you know the multi-run lead by the time the game ended. There, individually, Alec Thomas, who I mentioned in the pipeline, he's been really impressive in his first three games back from AAA Reno. Uh, after adding three more hits on Wednesday, uh, Thomas, starting with his first inning homer on Monday, had uh, he has six hits and, and uh, 13 bats and scored six runs since he returned from AAA Reno. Also on Wednesday, Paven Smith walked four times. Emmanuel Rivera, he had an interesting game. He had three hits, but he also had two other at-bats in which he grounded into inning-ending double plays. So that's kind of a mixed bag type of thing. Uh, the bottom line, the Diamondbacks won a series. Uh, I think winning this series is noteworthy. Uh, the last Before the last three days, Arizona was 2-13 and 13 
in their previous 15 games at Milwaukee. Up up next today, the Diamondbacks scheduled to have a makeup game today at Washington before heading to San Francisco for a three-game weekend series against the really hot and second-place Giants. Um, Today's the makeup game of the smokeout earlier this week. However, the weather forecast today is uh, in the nation's, nation's capital is for more rain. Wednesday's Cardinals-Nats game was played uh, with frequent rain. And as soon as that game ended yesterday, they got the tarp on the field as, human, as fast as humanly possible. So hopefully they play this game today. Uh, today's game, if it's played, Tommy Hendry, who was uh, somehow 3-1, and one, uh, it has a 465 earner on average. He's the scheduled Diamondback starter. He actually started the first game of this series at Washington on June the 6th. That's a start that did not go well. He gave up five earned runs and four and third innings in that game. Uh, he, they've also they have won Henry's as they've won his last of the Diamondbacks have. They won those last five starts almost solely because of excellent run support. And then last Saturday night, he was the most fortunate pitcher on earth. Uh, he won because there were four spectacular, and I'm not joking here, spectacular defensive plays that all saved runs. Now, in those last five starts, he's allowed, a, I think, a pretty unimpressive 14 runs in his 27 innings. That shows you how much he's, uh, you know, offense and run support he's receiving in his starts. All right, so the Diamondbacks win, and they needed to win again because the Giants keep winning. Uh, the Diamondbacks sitting at 45-30. and 30. The Giants win a 10th consecutive game last night. They uh, they beat the uh, Padres. They play them again this afternoon. Uh, the Dodgers also win last night. By the way, the Giants are now 42-32. and 32. So they're two games behind the loss column. Remember, they have the three-game series this weekend at San Francisco. The Dodgers... You know, sweep the two-game uh, freeway series against the Angels. So the Dodgers are 41-33. and 33. San Diego, they lose again. And uh, you know, they're, they're, when they get back to 500, maybe, maybe I'll take them seriously. But no reason to do, you know, do that until then. They're 35-39 and 39 now after losing the last uh, you know, couple of nights against the Giants. And then uh, you know, Colorado is just not good. Uh, Colorado is 29 and 48. I heard a thing yesterday that Colorado has already used 45 different players this season. You know, they weren't going to be good no matter what. And, uh, some of their uh, injuries of, you know, frontline starting pitchers, you know, key position players. Uh, like I said, they weren't going to be good to begin with, but you know, their chance if they had one to be respectable has been a completely eliminated because of their injury situation. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show, the National Roundup. That'll be topped by from the scoreboard from last night, and we will start with the Giants and the Padres and time pending get into some of the Dodgers and the Angels. Also, don't forget the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll get more into you know some baseball and obviously uh, the NBA draft, etc., and more phone call time if you want to jump aboard. I know I didn't have much time in this segment. My apologies. But you know, we had an excellent segment with Isaac, and it was very newsworthy since the draft is tonight. So don't feel that bad that I didn't have much time for phone calls in this particular segment. But we'll uh, make up for that 
phone call time-wise in the next two hours. So stay tuned for all that. And uh, one more segment of the Sports Zone with the National Roundup right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2100.7. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. All right. The Major League Baseball scoreboard topped by the Giants again. They extended their winning streak to 10 games. Last night, 6'11", rookie Sean uh, Jelly. I mean, it has an H in front of it, but his last name is Jelly. Uh, Pitched four shutout innings. A bullpen game for the Giants last night. The Dodgers and the Giants both won bullpen games last night. Uh, The Giants have now won 10 in a row. Hugh Darvish wasn't very good again. He has a horrible, horrible history at San Francisco against the Giants versus many different players for the Giants. He just doesn't do a good job there and not effective. Yesterday was Jock Peterson and Mike Yastrzemski, RBI singles. Unfortunately, Yastrzemski left the game with a hamstring injury. We'll see if he's available to play for the uh, for the Giants against the Diamondbacks this weekend. San Francisco's now won not just the 10 straight. They've won 25 of their last 34 games after they lost three straight here against the Diamondbacks. And, uh, there is season 10 games above 500 now. The Giants at 42 and 32. Uh, they're eight and three this season when they've used an opener and used a bullpen game. That seems to be unsustainable, but they're pulling it off. Not a problem. I mentioned Darvish. He's been terrible in San Francisco. He has a 10.13 career earn run average at Oracle Park, uh, which is what they call it this year. So there you go. Also, uh, you know, he's just uh, he, he's not been good, uh, needless to say there. Meanwhile, the Dodgers beat the Angels again. Freddie Freeman, his 14th home run of the season. That was off Shohei Otani. Uh, Otani was very good last night. Pitched seven innings of five, hit ball, gave up two walks, 12 strikeouts, gave up only the home run to uh, Freeman. However, Otani, who had been unbelievable offensively, in the month of June before this series, he was 0 for 7 in the the two games and the two losses in the freeway series this week against the Dodgers. Mike Trout was 0 for 8, so that's 0 for 15 between the two of them. They're not going to win too many of those games when that happens. Uh, the the An- Anaheim, was they only been shut out once in their first 74 games this season. But uh, Kershaw and two relievers shut them out on Tuesday night, and then they got shut out again last night. Uh, like I said, it's pretty amazing that they weren't shut out for their first 74. They were shut out once in their first 74 games. They've been shut out the last two nights. So we'll see what happens with that. After the game, Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, quoted as saying, uh, it was uh, a, a sort of fun tonight watching Otani. Uh, really uh, kept us at bay. You can't argue he dominated us. Uh, also, just to be a starting pitcher, uh, we we hold uh, you know for us to you know to, to you know, hold. He talked about holding down the lineup and talked about Otani. 
I just wonder, is that tampering? Because it seems as if the majority of baseball, they believe that Otani is going to be a member of the Dodgers next season after he enters free agency, most likely at the end, excuse me, at the end of this season. All right, so the Diamondbacks are scheduled to play today against Washington. The scheduled pitching matchup, Henry against Irvin. The Diamondbacks a 145-150 favorite uh, in most places, in, uh, at least in Nevada. So uh, total in that game, nine. If they don't play this game, they have very few common off days the rest of the season against Washington. I know one of them is at the end of September, and you know, teams that are contenders like the Diamondbacks believe they are. Uh, or playoff teams, which they almost certainly will be. They don't want to make up games at the end of September and mess up their pitching rotation and staff, etc., before the playoffs start in October. So we'll see if that happens or not. Also, uh, the Padres and the Dodgers, excuse me, the Padres and the Giants play one more game of that series this afternoon in San Francisco as the Giants go for 11 in a row. And we will preview the Giants uh, Diamondback series uh, tomorrow in the 9:15 segment of the Sports Zone, uh, and uh, we'll get the latest on the Giants and how have they won 10 in a row, and does this change our opinion of what uh, we think of them and uh, what they're going to maybe do at the trade deadline? We'll cover all that tomorrow in the 9:15 segment. All right, stay tuned. In the next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.